Welcome to Let's Relieve Regret, the uplifting podcast where we talk about how to relieve what you're worrying about. It can feel so good to finally let go. Let go of past hurts, let go of old grudges, let go of self-doubt, self-shame. The thing is, we aren't always given the tools to let go. We're told to get over it, or it's time to move on. But how do we do that? We will share our stories, tools, and strategies of how we let go to help you let go. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody, to the Let's Relieve Regret podcast. My name is Victoria Mirabersia, and I will be your host for today with my co-host, Shadow Ball. <laughs> I love how we have this pattern now, and you're just like, Shadow Ball. <laughs> <laughs> you introduce it so nicely, I, you know. <laughs> I love, but I love how you do it, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the Let's Relieve Regret podcast. Um, We're so happy to have you here and so happy that you've been supporting us along this journey and we hope that it's been supporting you too. How are you feeling today, Shadow, on a scale of one to ten? I'm about like uh, six to seven. Yeah, it's still pretty early in the day, so I feel like I want to give myself room to like be higher, but I also know that like I don't know. I'm dragging my feet a little today. Um, haven't been sleeping the greatest this week, but then like on Wednesday I had a mega sleep. So <laughs> I'm catching up. I'm catching up. How I about you? The, I love the mega sleeps. Mm-hmm. What is a mega sleep for you? Like 10 hours? Yeah. I mean, this past one was like almost 12. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Like it was 11 and a half. Cause like I went to bed at nine 30, put on a meditation, probably fell asleep halfway through that meditation and then got out of bed at eight 30, but I was up around eight. So like probably in the like 11 to 12 range there. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A mega sleep for me is like, yeah, between 11 and 12 too. And mm-hmm. we're kind of celebrating them right now, but we need to remind ourselves that it shouldn't be that we sleep four hours a night and then have one mega sleep. Totally. We need to find ways to, to sleep because sleep's important, but yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give myself like a, I'm kind of like similar to what you're saying. It's early in the morning today. Maybe you can hear it in our voices, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to go for a seven because there's room to grow. I haven't been for my walk yet. I'm sitting underneath my light therapy lamp right now. And Mm -hmm. so it'll take effect shortly. And yeah, and it's like above zero degrees Celsius, but not much. You and know. rainy, though. We have the rainy. massive amounts of rain last night, and it's mm-hmm. supposed to rain all day today. So I'm going to try to go for a walk in the rain, but we'll we'll yeah. see how far I get. I might only get to the to the cafe and then turn around. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I put up a reel a couple days ago about the fog and how foggy it's been. And I said, who knew that w- the snow would be missed? Uh- I'm like, no one <laughs> laughed. No one made it like or no grown. P- no share one. it to the let's relieve <laughs> regret one because I'll I'll yeah. laugh. <laughs> I yeah, I, well, I made it like a little poll where you like you could pick the emoji reaction. So there was oh. like a laughing, an eye roll, and a mad. Because okay, like, I like to make jokes that make people mad. <laughs> Shadow's gonna put that up on the let's relieve regret Instagram account. Mm-hmm. React to it. Let's give Shadow a little boost here for her okay. amazing puns. You had a good <laughs> pun in the last episode too. <laughs> Uh, it's I hard love, for me to I stop. Love puns. I love yeah. them. I love a good pun. Yeah, um, I. Uh, it's hard for me to stop actually, and even sometimes during like serious moments, like I have to bite my tongue because I'm thinking of puns, and I've learned that they're not always appreciated during certain. Oh my gosh, I love them moments. so. My family loves them so much too. Yeah. So I come from yeah. a family that's appreciate them. My my favorite one is, or one that I learned recently was, I went camping with my family. It was intense. <laughs> <laughs> See? Nice. I like <laughs> so it. I like oh, it. I love them too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're gonna we're you're gonna post it and we're gonna we're we're all gonna respond. Okay. <laughs> do you have a do you have a cause for applause? Yeah, actually I I know that just last week I used my cause for applause of talking to someone, but I'm gonna follow that up again with saying uh this week I met up with a former client and we were supposed to just have like a quick tea and a coffee and I had some I had some things I wanted to give her because when she was my client, she was working on this project. 
this project's an ongoing project. So I had collected like supplies for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I wanted to meet up with her so that I could hand over those supplies. And uh, we had our little chat. And then we ended up chatting for like another two hours after just about like lots of deep stuff and lots of interesting things. And she had such great feedback. And like, it was just like such a fulfilling conversation. Um, and it was in person and there was like other people around us. So I was also mm. kind of like, you know, like getting some energy from that. Um, yeah. So that was just really nice. And again, a reminder that we were talking about last week with like that human connection piece, like when you're feeling really down and stuff, like it's, it sounds almost cliche, but just go talk to someone <laughs> and you don't have to just like tell them everything. Like, yes, I had a very good purging conversation with this person. But I think even just being around strangers again and like, you know, making eye contact and smiling Mm -hmm. and waving and like all those kinds of things that like we've become a little rusty at, uh, it's good to practice them again. Yeah, it all matters, right? All connection matters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be deep and long and meaningful. I mean, all connection is meaningful. And I love what you're saying too, about like just making eye contact with people on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And then I actually passed someone. So the supplies I was gathering were branches, uh, but like they had to be on the ground already. That's a big part of her rule around the branches and the sticks. So some of my branches were quite large and they were in this like, like basket. So on my way to meeting her, I saw someone I know and they went, where are you going with those branches? <laughs> and I was like, oh, just to see an old client like I, I there for her art project. He said, oh, OK. Uh, and then he told me that he had made a Christmas tree out of branches this past Christmas. And I was like, oh, that's a cool coincidence. And he's like, where did you get them? And I kind of pointed to where I got them. He's like, I got my branches there too. <laughs> and it was just this fun moment. Like I see this person like at least once a week because he also has a dog and our dogs get along. So like, you know, when we see each other, we stop and we chat quickly, but we didn't have our dogs this time, but we, I had these branches and it was this moment of like, what, like we would have never chatted about the fact that we both gathered branches from the same little part of our neighborhood um had he not seen me with a big pile of them <laughs> so just yeah. again human connection human connection out there. through it's osmosis <laughs> like through <laughs> yeah. osmosis and just naturally occurring naturally mm-hmm. occurring in nature yeah mm-hmm. how about you okay so i have a good cause for applause oh, great yeah, I'm excited to tell you about this. I didn't tell her this off off microphone, everybody. Okay, so <laughs> last week we had Alex on, Nurse Alex, also my sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I want to read you a message she sent me. <gasps> she said, hey, great job on the editing. I love the results. A few of my friends reached out to say they really liked the podcast. Oh, I really loved it too. You guys have a great setup going. Thanks for having me on. I also wanted to thank you for having me on because I ended up reconnecting with people that listened to the episode and reached out and I had a great brunch with a friend that I haven't seen for over five years. So thanks again. Oh man, I am uh, like, she's so nice. I, 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 uh, that's wonderful. (laughs) This is why I didn't tell shadow off, off microphone because I wanted her true reaction. Yeah. Well, I keep wanting to say, I don't know what to say, but saying, I don't know what to say means you do know what to say because that's what you're saying. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, she was an excellent guest. I really enjoyed that episode and, uh, you know, like because we're editing and producing this content, like I had to listen to that episode uh, a, a few times uh, to get everything out of it that I needed. Found it, but with her stuff, I was like, "Wow, she is just a great guest. Uh, what a wonderful person she is." We believe so much in what we're doing, mm-hmm. but it's also really nice to get uh, validation and to get feedback and to get yeah. feedback from guests and feedback from listeners, and mm-hmm. we love it. Those of you out there listening, when you send us a message or comment on our Instagram or let us know or give us a five-star review or give us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you Mm -hmm. listen. It really drives us to keep going. And again, this is about human connection. It's just a really simple thing. Like, Hey, you're doing a great job. I loved the episode about this. I Mm -hmm. also got a message from another friend I haven't talked to actually this week saying, 
Great. Love the way you guys ask about advice versus listening and your chemistry is awesome. And that was just from a friend I haven't talked to in a while. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, I just love that. So thank you. Thank you for all the feedback. And I wanted you to feel the love too, Shadow. Yeah, no, I really like that. I also, it's funny that you would mention that because I got a message from someone who I would consider more of an acquaintance and they sent a message saying, oh, this is on my to-do list today. And I went, whoa, okay, great. (laughs) Like, Yeah, um, it matters, right? It matters when you just send these little things uh, to people because it it encourages them to keep doing the good work they're doing Mm -hmm. and or just encourages them to just keep connecting in life and it's just a little short connection so those those little tiny moments of connection and support mm-hmm. matter and oh my god I just like pulled up my um curtain from my window and there's blue sky out there and it was supposed Uh-oh. to rain all day today <laughs> oh what? we're already feeling a whiff. what is happening the universe is totally <laughs> in line with us right now I hope that blue yeah. sky stays there till we're done recording stay there okay. blue sky <laughs> God. Anyways, okay. I'm having. You know, every once in a while, you have one of those moments where you feel like everything's coming together. You're like, yeah, oh, magic moment. Magic moment. <laughs> like magic moment. We're getting good feedback on the podcast, which we really appreciate, and that helps us know that we're doing a good job, mm. and that the experiment's working, and that it's helping others. And then the sky turns blue. I don't know. It, see, <laughs> I'm already an eight out of ten instead of a seven out of ten. Amazing. <laughs> we're only a few minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, you ready to share? Yeah. All right. I think I'm first. We haven't had an episode with just you and I in a while. so I know. I'm so excited. Here we go. I have something that I would like to let go of in order to move forward. I regret punishing myself over unrealistic expectations during the winter months with my seasonal affective disorder. I'm going to reword this in another way. I regret not leaning into my seasonal affective disorder. There's a lot of stuff out there, especially as an entrepreneur. For me, it's coming through social media posts because, you know, the algorithm works that way and it's successful people get up early in the morning. They get stuff done before this or successful people work out so much or successful people do this, that kind of messaging. I was going for a walk the other day and I kind of had an aha moment. I realized I put that pressure on myself every winter. It's really hard for me in the winter. I really am, my body functions differently. I'm like a different person in the winter than I am in the summer. And every year I say, okay, in the summer I get up early, I go to rowing, I get a workout in, you know, I go down to the beach. But in the winter, I cannot get up before nine o'clock in the morning. It's really hard for me. And every winter I'm like, I'm gonna go to winter training for rowing because winter training still happens at 5.30 in the morning at the rowing club, weights and rowing machines stuff. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go, and then I don't, and then I can't do it, or I do it once or twice. It's really hard for me. The rest of my day is just totally burnt. If I get up and do that workout at 5.30 in the morning, I'm. I'm tired. I have to have a three hour nap in the middle of the day. So I regret setting almost these unrealistic expectations of this year, I'm going to beat it. This year, I'm going to beat my seasonal affective disorder. And this year, I'm going to function in the winter the same way I function in the summer. For some reason, in my mind, it's like this year, that's success, right? So I, I feel like I'm in this pattern of every fall you know, when, when it starts to get dark, I'm like, no, I'm going to keep this pattern. I'm going to keep getting up early. I'm going to keep working out. I'm going to keep this pattern I've had in the summer. This is my goal this year. I'm going to keep the pattern and be consistent. I never do. It's just hard. And the thing is I have a, a mental condition, which is also a physical condition, seasonal affective disorder that literally makes it hard for me in the winter. I wake up in the morning, I'm trembly, I'm achy. It takes me anywhere from one to three hours to get out of my brain fog and to get into functioning and to to not feel achy and trembly and, and slow and groggy and and I feel heavy and I have to go for a walk every day. I realize that too. I didn't do for a walk for two days in a row, I think, last week, and I knew. I knew 
that the reason I was feeling more off than normal was because I didn't get that walk. Rain or shine, I need to connect to nature. I need to breathe fresh air. I need to let my mind wander or listen to a podcast while I'm walking. I need to connect to the baristas at my local cafe. I right, I need to do these things. And um, I realized as I was doing that walk that I hadn't done in a couple of days, why don't I just lean into it? Just accept it and not make those commitments and not pressure myself. I'm going to let myself sleep until nine every morning in the winter. It's fine. I'm going to give myself extra time in the morning and not schedule things before 11 o'clock in the morning so that I can get up, have my cup of tea, maybe just watch a TV show that I didn't watch the night before or something to just let my mind start to wake up or listen to a podcast or you know, cuddle with Christian if he's home or, or whatever, like just be really slow. I'm going to lean into that. And I've just, when I did that, when I said that to myself, I felt lighter because I really felt like peer pressure and pressure on myself. And I don't even think the peer pressure exists. I put the pressure on myself to get up and go to workouts in the morning and all these sorts of things. I just accept that I can't do it. And that doesn't mean that I'm not successful. It doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It means this is who I am in the winter. And that's okay. I guess the consequence of me holding on to the punishing myself is I'm just going to continue to punish myself. And I need to accept, acknowledge, and work with what I've got where I'm at now. And that, that's, my, uh, that's my regret for today. This one's really great. Um, Do you want feedback today or did you just want to share? I'd love feedback. Okay. Okay. I want to make sure I'm being careful with my next sentence. Um, We have talked a lot on this podcast about connecting with nature. And even within this regret, you talk about connecting with nature. And yet nature tells us every year to slow down in the winter. Mm. Is this just part of that for you? Or do you think there was like, like an internal battle with knowing that, but then still putting this pressure on yourself. What, what do you mean? Is this part of that for me? Like, we don't talked- have to be careful about your words. No, no, no. I mean, like, is it because like you always talk about like being in nature and the wonder walks and letting your mind wander in nature and taking our cues from nature. And yet when it comes to, I think specifically rowing, you put like you're almost kind of going counterintuitive to the lesson that nature's trying to show Mm -hmm. you yeah so is it because it's is it mostly the rowing that you put the pressure on yourself or is there other things you try to put pressure on yourself in the winter months I think it's waking up early Mm -hmm. just in general I think it's I think it is working out like finding the energy to work out the walk is a bit of a pressure too but I also know that I have to do it Mm-hmm. because it makes me feel better and it's it's almost like a prescription right like, yeah like my therapist says like you have to get those walks and like it, it really is like a prescription mm-hmm. and um and nature's like a piece of that walk like if I went for a walk on a treadmill in a gym it wouldn't be the same like it mm-hmm. needs to be a walk in nature but I get what you're saying yeah it is almost counterintuitive that I'm not taking my cues from the ebbs and flows of nature or the natu- natural progression of nature throughout the year I'm trying to make the winter be the summer. Mm-hmm. And we, you're right. We naturally slow down and we hibernate. And my body and my brain, the way that it works with, with the seasonal affective disorder that I have, slows down more than the average bear, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've been like in denial that it's going to happen or think that I can fix it or cure it instead of accepting mm-hmm. that that's part of who I am and my like yearly process and that's okay. Yeah. And I was talking with my therapist about this uh, the other day too. It's different than clinical depression, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like this is how my body works. There's things I can do for it. I can do my light therapy lamp. I have to do that every day. I can take my vitamin D supplements. I have to do that every day. I have to go for my walk every day Mm -hmm. and I can, I can be a, a relatively functional human being. Right. And it's okay to accept that and work with it. Mm-hmm. The reason it's okay to accept that and kind of work with it is winter will always end. Right. I know that there is an end to this. Right. 
I know rationally and my body knows that when it starts to get lighter, I start to feel better and I have an amazing six to eight months of the year when it's not dark, right? Mm -hmm. Versus when I was clinically depressed, I didn't know when it was going to end. Right. I didn't know when it was going to end. It was hard to fight and hard to motivate myself to fight it. And and we had to do like some serious therapy for that, right? But Mm -hmm. SAD is not clinical depression. It's like I have to keep reminding myself winter will end. Mm -hmm. Light will come. Yeah. So take these time, exactly what you're saying. Like my body needs more time to regenerate and heal in the winter. That's that's who I am. Mm -hmm. So Okay. Lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like, I like what you're talking about with like the light therapy, the daily walk, those things aren't time bound, right? You don't have to go for a walk before the sunrise. If you do, sure. Great. That's a like, you know, whatever. Great for you. But I think you're, you're actually really illuminating something for me here where I'm starting to think maybe seasonal affective disorder is natural, like is a natural response to being in nature. Like, if you're like you do take your cues from nature like so in like the other seasons you are able to get up early you are able to kind of like be with the sun and do all those things even if it's you know 5 30 it's still a little bit dark out you know the sun's coming pretty much instantly um so i think you're just so in tune with nature that in the winter when nature's telling you to slow down you're still, but you're also such a amazing person that you're like, no, I, I can't slow down. I got to keep doing these things. Um, but you can still, yeah, take this time to regenerate and hibernate. And I've recently learned that bears don't just go to sleep in the, in the winter. Like they create a den underground under the snow and all that stuff, but they don't just sleep for those four months. They still do stuff. They get up, they do things, but they do it in a much more concentrated way yeah same with squirrels people think squirrels are hibernators squirrels aren't hibernators either Mm -hmm. they just sleep for longer periods of time yeah I think I've said this on the podcast before too is squirrels are solitary creatures in the summer right in the winter they find other squirrels to nest with so there might be five or six of them in a nest keeping each other's warm and then they go their merry way when it gets right time again so There's like a huge lesson in that, right? And like being in community in the dark times. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, but I just like with one caveat, the thing that I do, I don't know, worry about or feel like sometimes I can be minimized about SAD is this idea. And I see a lot of posts about this and stuff too. Yes, everybody gets like the winter blues or does get Mm. slower in the winter. It is a natural, like we're mammals, we're connected to nature. It is a natural thing. And I've talked about it too. Mm -hmm. But people that have diagnosed SAD, it's like tenfold. Yeah. And so I I just caution the self-diagnosing with SAD because it, it may just be a natural thing. Like, for me, what can happen is the minimizing is like, well, everybody feels that way in the winter, Victoria. Mm, so mm-hmm. like, get up, get over yourself, get like these sorts of things. And I've had that messaging to me before. And yeah, and I, I do have a diagnosis and it's, it's pretty serious. Yeah. It can be genetic. It runs in my family. My sister can't even live in this country. She mm-hmm. lives in Australia. Right. right. I've, I think I've talked about this before. Like she cannot function. Right being here longer than three weeks, four weeks in the winter. Like it's just her, her brain chemistry changes, her body changes, my brain chemistry changes, my body changes. So that's my one caveat is there is a difference between slowing down in the winter that we naturally do. And someone that actually has SAD that has to fight a little bit more through it. Yeah. And Uh, I don't want to minimize that, that experience because I've been minimized before almost my whole life and been told like, mm -hmm everybody has it. Why do you complain about it more than other people? Or why do you not? I can, I can even say this is this story. Like I still remember this. You have moments in your life where you're like, is this happening? Mm -hmm. Or you really remember these stories? I was working for a gym. This is like 20 years ago. Okay. I was, I was working for a gym that I, I had just been hired to be like a customer service front desk person. And this gym also sold tanning when tanning was big Mm -hmm. and they were training us on how to sell tanning. And the trainer 
she actually used the words SAD. Everybody mm. has seasonal affective disorder. Everybody in Canada has it. And so you can tell them about seasonal affective disorder and then try to sell them tanning as a way to combat their seasonal affective disorder. Right. And I had been diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder like when I was in like university. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't that far out of university at this point, but and I put up my hand and I said, well, actually, that's not true. Seasonal affective disorder is actually like a, a condition. It's, it's a mental illness and not everybody has it. And it's actually a diagnosis. She goes, nope, you're wrong. Mm. She said, nope, you're wrong. Everybody has it. And I also said, actually, like, I'm not really comfortable using this as a sales technique because the light rays in a tanning bed are not the same spectrum of light that's in a light therapy lamp that actually helps with seasonal affective disorder. And mm-hmm. she also said to me in front of everybody, nope, you're wrong. Hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is a massive gym that's countrywide. Yeah. has like several locations and they're literally training their staff to say everybody has seasonal affective disorder mm-hmm. and tanning helps it. Right. And I was sitting there going, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. But I needed the job. Right. But I also was like, I cannot believe that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And that was like well before we were seriously talking about mental illness. We were still stigmatizing yeah. so many things. Everybody does not have seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. Everybody does have slow down naturally in the winter and have winter blues. And we all do need more sunlight and to search it out and we'll feel better when we have it. Mm-hmm. But people that have seasonal defect affective disorder feel it physically heavy, emotion, like just in very deep and heavy ways. So that's my only caveat. Yeah, I actually, I really appreciate the caveat because this is what I was trying to be careful about. I didn't want to minimize, my intent was not to minimize your experience. It's actually, my intent was to illuminate that I think you being so connected to nature is why you feel it even more than the yeah, average it, person. It could so be. many people are really disconnected from the nature and their surroundings, but you make such an effort to be part of the natural cycle. Um, and I'm, I've always found that really impressive. So I think, and at least it, like my perspective on it is not that, oh, everyone has it because nature impacts us. It's that because you are so connected and you make such an effort to be connected with our natural surroundings, I, I, I agree that it would impact you even heavier. It's like, like same two thing- sides of a coin, right? There's like, yeah, for me, the pros are nature super helps and mm-hmm. I am really connected. But the con is when I miss the, when I don't get it even for one day, yeah, it affects me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, like you're getting all these signs that even when you are out there, like they're, the nature is kind of being like, hey, get out of here. <laughs> like I'm, I'm being cold. Get away from me. I don't want you here. <laughs> And I'm like, but I just want to give you a hug. (laughs) Exactly. So that's why I wanted to be careful about it because it wasn't, I wasn't trying to say anything about, oh, everyone has it, but I do appreciate that that was how it came across. And I think that's a really important caveat to make. Uh, It's, that's what I was trying to say is that I think you are so one with nature (laughs) that uh, I am not at all surprised that it, that the winter impacts you even stronger. Yeah. Um, Similar to the RSD, RRE conversation we had, right. With like rejection sensitive dysphoria is awful and feels awful, but it also means that your recognition response is euphoric. Like when you feel seen, when you don't feel rejected, like you will do anything to get that feeling back because we, we just feel things on such a different level. Thank you for making that connection for me too, because this RRE and RSD diagnosis that I've recently gotten is new and I'm learning and Mm -hmm. I didn't really make the connection to the SAD. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> that makes total sense. Yeah, because yeah. and I mean, it's happened even on this podcast. Like we're you know we're talking about something, and like you think that oh well, no one's gonna understand what I'm saying, but then either I say something and you respond, or vice versa, and we go oh wow, and then you're like you feel all this like bubbliness inside mm-hmm. because that's the other side of the coin of the RSD is yes, rejection hurts really hard, but love feels that much better. Like it's yeah. Yeah. So, and how can I lean into the REE? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The yes. recognition euphoria, everybody is what the REE is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think uh, the one thing that really stood out to me, which is something I'm trying to be better about, 
is the expectations that when you do meet them, the rest of your day falls apart. <laughs> so this like 5.30 winter training, when you have made it, the rest of the day becomes like, oh, now I got to sleep. Now I got to do this. And, I, and uh, I've definitely noticed a few things like that for myself. So I really appreciate the like that idea that like, okay, so we put these expectations on ourselves and when we meet them, we're supposed to feel really good but then it kind of throws our whole routine out of whack and that doesn't really feel good. So, yeah. Like, I don't so really why did I do it? it? Like, why yeah. did I do that? Like yeah. just, it's about acceptance too. I think acceptance yeah. is one that maybe you need to start talking about acceptance more. Maybe that's yeah. the next level of this experiment, but accept who you are right now mm-hmm. and move forward from that point. Yeah. Like realistic expectations and acceptance of who you are right now. Mm-hmm. This is who I am right now. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not summer Victoria. I'm winter mm-hmm. Victoria and yeah. that's okay. There's totally. great things about winter Victoria too. Yeah. And I don't have to pressure myself or force myself to function the same way I do in the summer. Do you have any like inkling fear that by accepting it, mm, you know, is there any fear to accepting it? Sure. I think people, I think especially when you own your own business, that's a wellness business, there's a lot of pressure and expectations of like, this is what a wellness person should be. Because I see it on Instagram and social media, right? Like showing the workouts and showing this and like, yeah, that's not the kind of like wellness coach or wellness instructor that I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about like, how do you have small and slow solutions and integrate them easily into your life? And then mm-hmm. step by step, you gradually start to feel better and feel amazing and be the best you, you can be. Right. But yeah, there's a lot of that kind of tough love stuff out there. Or like, again, I'm going to say like successful people get up at six in the morning or mm-hmm. they do this really hardcore workout or whatever. And I'm afraid of being judged as not being a good wellness coach or not being not leading by example or mm-hmm. because I'm in the wellness industry and there's so much of that kind of messaging out there. And uh, also like, I honestly don't know how my rowers get up at five 30 in the morning, every morning for 365 days a year. I just can't do right. it. Right. And so then I'm afraid of like being judged by them, which is right. my brain, my brain just playing a trick on me. I know yeah. that's my winter brain playing a trick on me. Mm-hmm. They're not judging me. No, for not sure. coming. They all know I have seasonal affective disorder. Like they all know, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, there's just, there's always like a fear of being judged or being, yeah. you know, as like a failure. I think that also comes from like my experience with my burnout at my job, but there was a lot of, all, I thought all my coworkers were my friends when I left the corporate world and I had that burnout and they all turned their back on me and they all right. judged me and they all uh, talked about me behind my back when I started saying I'm having anxiety and I have to leave work, like there were rumors going around that I was being a sore loser because I didn't get the Mm -hmm. job I wanted to get when they finally made me permanent. And I was taking advantage of the system. Like I've been judged before for being honest about my mental illness in very harsh ways. I'm feeling this really deeply right now, by the way, in, in very harsh ways. And it, it was part of my trauma when I had my burnout. That. And again, this was like in 2014, people, we weren't talking about it as much. And I was one of the yeah. first people to talk about it and yeah. say, the way that this workplace has been treating me and the expectations it's put on me has caused me to develop anxiety. And mm-hmm. my psychiatrist agreed yeah, that I wouldn't have developed that type of anxiety if I hadn't experienced what I experienced in the workplace. And, and then once I came forward and said this and, Hey, this needs to stop. And what can we do to change this and change it for me, but also change it for others in the workplace that are feeling the same way. Not only did the workplace bully me, all of my coworkers turned their backs on me Mm -hmm. too. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm afraid of leading, leaning into my, yeah. Leaning into like accepting and acknowledging the way that my brain works. That's how I'm going to say it now. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm also still afraid to say mental illness. Cause I'm still afraid people are going to judge me when I say I have a mental illness, right? The way that my brain works, like I'm accepting the way my brain works. And the thing is, is that 
I can be a person with SAD and with anxiety and RSS or sorry, RSD and RE. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I can't be happy and thrive while I have all of those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you very, very quickly realize we talked about this two episodes ago or three episodes ago with, with Nadia, our guest Nadia, you very, very quickly realize who's in your power circle, right? Who's in your support circle. And the lessons that I've learned is to lean into who is in my power circle or lean into who's in my support circle. Mm-hmm. And it's also not always easy to be honest about mental illness, but I feel better about myself when I'm honest. I feel lighter mm-hmm. and freer saying I'm going to lean into the SAD and I'm not going to pressure myself. Yeah. Because in the end, the only person that has to live with me is me. Right. I felt uh, this is almost turning into two regrets, but I felt a lot of anger towards all of those coworkers that turned their back on me that I had been working with for 20 years. And I thought they were my friends and we'd been Mm. in the trenches together, being of service, helping communities. Right. I felt a lot of anger towards them. And now I just feel sad for them. Mm -hmm. I, I really do that. They got caught in the pettiness and the gossiping and the judging and that's not who they are or who I thought they were. I'm not angry at them anymore, but I just, I'm really sad for them that they didn't have the strength to not lean into the group think mentality mm-hmm. and not make me the bad guy. I'm, I'm right. sad for them. Yeah. Again, I, I, it has kind of morphed into this other regret <laughs> as well, um, which again, I think is why it's so uh, sticky for you is that it, it does kind of, it starts as like this one thing and then it kind of, like impacts a lot of other areas so thank you for sharing um yeah i think i'm i'm gonna stop providing feedback here but i just want to give you another minute or two if there's anything else you want to say uh i just want to say thank you shadow like every time i have a conversation with you it's healing and the feedback that we got that we were reading at the beginning of the episode yeah those of you out there listening listening to healing conversations, I hope encourages you to feel healed through maybe listening to our conversation or Mm. encourages you to look for the people in your life that you can have the healing conversations with too. And, and focus on that and focus on your focusing on your needs and what you need to feel like a whole human being is not selfish and knowing what your needs and your wants are. And I've had some real aha moments in the past two weeks about what my needs and wants are. And the biggest one was I'm going to lean into my SAD and let myself sleep in the morning and not pressure myself. But I feel lighter and freer from acknowledging what my true needs and wants and boundaries are. And they don't have to be the same 365 days of the year, but this is where I'm at right now. So thank you, Shadow. You made me feel much better, actually. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I and I think you've already you're already well on your way because you talk about your slow and small solutions through your business. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think acknowledging it and even as you just said it, like knowing that you can't do it 365 days a year, instead of that being like a source of shame, maybe this summer it's a source of planning yeah. for the upcoming winter. That's the dream shadow. Honestly, if I could get <laughs> everything accomplished in six right. months and, and set myself up for the, for the six months of winter. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I had to do in the, like, if I could actually do that. And then the only thing I had to do in winter was record this podcast, <laughs> which I joyfully do. Yeah. And then the live classes that I teach mm-hmm. as part of my membership, I joyfully do. I love teaching brain fitness, mm-hmm. right? If like, that's the only work I had to do in the winter was to record this podcast and teach the six live classes on Zoom a week. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Right. Yeah. And my one on, sorry. And my one, I love my one-on-one clients too. I'm (laughs) going to say that too, but it's all the other stuff in the winter that really bogs me down. The administrative stuff, the making the social media posts, the, Mm -hmm. the creating, creating new courses, creating new classes, create like if I could get all that done and just do the thing that I joyfully love to do, which is really being with people in the mm. winter. Yeah. 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 That That's a good goal. Yeah. We'll talk it's, about it in the yeah, summer. And and it's a long, awesome it, yeah. It's a long term thing. Like it's, yeah, you can like 
nick like you can get at like pieces yeah. of it over time but yeah yeah but. and coming from the virtual assistant that's what what you know you could help me do or you help people do is like make <laughs> <Yeah>. those plans <laughs> yeah. uh yeah <laughs> anyways thank you shadow i appreciate you um i do want to jump into my share yeah i'm ready for your yeah, share you're ready okay let's hear it i have an experience i need to let go of to move forward I regret not understanding the full spectrum of fat liberation when I started my Instagram art project, The Word Fat. The purpose of this project was to help me with my self-esteem. I desperately wanted to remove the sting I felt every time I heard or read the word fat. So I thought I would use the word as my muse, drawing with it at the center, taking beautiful photos and adding the word within it. Uh, I kept going with a Fat Art Friday hashtag and received a few submissions from other people as well. And for the purpose of helping with my self-esteem and these other people who submitted, it was successful. It felt good to channel something, to channel my creativity into something that felt useful. However, body image, especially for fat people, is not just a mindset or self-esteem issue. There's a lot of systems in place that reinforce the idea that having a fat body is inherently wrong. The problems arose when I tried to monetize the process of, of this. I thought developing a workshop where people could come share their experiences with the word fat would have a healing and helpful outcome. I created resource sheets, questions, coloring pages, activities. I made a body positive playlist. And I did run this workshop a couple times and it, it did. Parts of it were good and parts of it were really weird. <laughs> and I realized that something I didn't understand at the time was that there was already a lot more people in this line of work that had done it for a lot longer and definitely deserved the money more than I did. Also, it turns out that this idea was not new, uh, even if it was new to me. There had been zines dedicated to the same process and all kinds of other uh, things like that. And another issue was that I wasn't ready to do the deeper work. I was only you, you working with the word fat at a surface level. It was an artistic outlet for my nerves and not something I was doing to change how fat people are treated in daily life. The consequences I am missing out on due to holding on to this regret is that I'm now scared to post anything new on the account. It's been on about a two-year hiatus. Uh, the account is still active, as in you can find it on Instagram, but I've not been creating more art or receiving submissions. I'm also scared of finding or not scared of it. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the right way to come back. Should I do an apology post or will that seem insincere or should I just leave it alone? Anyway, when I created the project, I was doing everything I could in that moment with the tools I had, and that's okay. That is who I was then. And I have grown in so many ways. I'm nervous to share this, but relieved because I have shared other things on this podcast that weigh heavily on my conscious consciousness, pardon the pun, and always feel better after sharing it. I am capable of using the word fat to describe myself without feeling that immediate pang of hurt. And although the experiment did not fix things for fat people, I am happy that I had helped myself and a few others feel a little bit better. Thank you. Do you want feedback or you just want sure. to be heard? Yeah, feedback would be great. I kind of have two sections of feedback. Yeah. Because I think there's kind of two things going on here. Yeah, and I realized there was there I should have edited so, it. So no, don't edit it. Not everything <laughs> is like perfectly boxed yeah, as we learned with my regret, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. everything is connected and interwoven and baked mm -hmm. into other things. Like that's just the human experience. So yeah. Okay. The first one I want to address is like the imposter syndrome. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you ran the workshops. Yeah. Then you're saying you realize other people have been running these workshops before and running them for like longer. Mm -hmm. So what? I just, uh, there's a real problem with like whiteness within the body image community and also with like people who like, uh, again, it's an intersectionality issue, right? Like I... I hold a lot of privileges. So to be offering this kind of workshop is just not quite right. 
and it it's not I, feel, so it's not about imposter syndrome it really just doesn't feel right for you yeah it's it's okay. about yeah it's about being I, I don't even want to use the word ally because that's kind of gross yeah it's about recognizing that I may be profiting off of another person's work uh albeit unintentionally at the time uh, mm-hmm. but once I once I realized that that was kind of what was happening I immediately stopped the workshops I also uh yeah, I, I pretty much stopped the account maybe a few months after that too. So the only thing I'll say to that is because, again, this is a world that I totally don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, I mean, in the wellness industry, I'm not teaching anything new. I'm like right. taking information and I'm like my job isn't to invent anything new. I'm not a researcher or whatever. Mm-hmm. What makes my classes unique and different is the way that I curate the information and the way that I present the information. So I'm not saying that this information is mine. No. And there are tons of wellness coaches for women out there, right? And some people are attracted to what I do and some people are attracted to what somebody else does. Even if we're teaching the same information, they're attracted to the way I'm presenting it or the way I'm curating it and the way I'm packaging it and putting together. Mm. That's what I do. That's what you were doing too. It's okay that somebody else is teaching the same information, but mm-hmm. the people that are drawn to coming to your workshop were drawn to learning it from you and the way that you curated and packaged it. I would say I would say the difference here is that wellness is an ever expanding field mm-hmm. and learning about fat liberation there there isn't as many people wanting to learn it. And other, I I just think there are other people who have, you know, dedicated their lives Mm. to this. And for me, it, I don't want to kind of sound glib about it, but it was just an art project, right? Like it was an art project using the word fat, like really stripping those three letters down and like having a lot of fun with just the word itself. And for me, the idea even came to me because I was uh, one day on the subway and do you remember when those free newspapers used to be around, like Metro 24 yeah. Hours or whatever? Yeah. So there, I, I was flipping through one of those newspapers and three advertisements in a row, it must have been around the same time of year, uh, were about uh, fat burning and about like one was mm. like a chili pepper supplement. And it was like, get ready to burn that fat. And then the next page was like a personal trainer being like, book my program, blah, blah, like, like, and it was three pages in a row that really used the word fat as the reason to purchase mm-hmm. this product or this service. And I went, wow, like, and, and, and I, I, I realized I still feel such a, or at that time, I still felt such a sting, even just reading the word. I was like, oh, man, like, these people are obsessed with it. And that's, and at that point, I had already gotten into like, fat liberation a little bit but it was definitely more from like the body image surface level stuff it wasn't you know digging deep to talk about how in many states in the U.S. it's still legal to fire someone for being fat you know like those protections aren't in place so uh, things like that and like once I realized that I was doing it on such a surface level Mm -hmm. It felt cheap. It felt like I shouldn't be the person leading this. I should be just directing people to the people who they should be learning from. So you want to be more of of service in a connecting way than of service in a mm-hmm. than of service in like the deep healing way. You're like the starting point. I guess too. It's like I. It wasn't just the workshops. Like I was trying to actually monetize like like paintings I had done with the word fat in it and stuff like that. And again, it, it, it just once I realized I, w- it just didn't. So even I like, kids, can, can there yeah. be a distinction between monetizing through workshops and monetizing through paintings? Like even selling your paintings felt weird? Yeah, because again, it just felt like I was taking space from someone who should be receiving the money. And also like, again, like I, there was a, there was a limit to my understanding of things and there's still a limit to my understanding of it right because mm-hmm. this experience kind of pulled me out of it a little bit i do still follow a lot of uh fat creators and that kind of stuff but i really fell out of wanting to be part of that community 
once I recognized my intersectionality of privilege that. Can I, okay. So can I, was there um, like an aha moment or something that pulled you away from the project? Like, did you get like messages on your Instagram account saying that you're, I'm using air quotations here, doing it wrong? No, I just, um, I didn't get directly contacted. um, But because I was so like in it, I would see posts about like, oh, just another, like not, and and again, my project was never brought to the forefront, but there was a lot of posts about people who had kind of, they had kind of accelerated to the top of the field and people being really upset that like, well, of course that person is going to make money off this thing that I've been working on for 20 years, mm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And some of that, like I would see, I would see other creators kind of being torn down in that way. And then did that make you afraid that you were going to be torn down? So you kind of stopped before it happened or? Yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. And then also a secondary thing came up where, um, like I did, st- I, I stopped doing the workshops, but I kept doing the art for a little while. I realized it had become a pretty big time suck, hmm. uh, which again is if, if that's how I felt about it, like maybe I shouldn't have started it in the first place, uh, but it was becoming a time suck and it wasn't bringing me any additional resources or joy or anything like that. So I think there's also just like vaguely in a weird way, almost connects into mine slightly yeah. is there's this thing about like finishing a project especially if it's a project that's like being of service or you're trying to change the world or whatever. I think there's like a real power in acceptance of like, I'm not into this anymore. Right. Or this isn't working for me anymore. Because if you're really trying to change the world through what you're doing, if you're not like buying into it a hundred percent, you're not going to change the world. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay that, that you stopped, observed it, Mm-hmm. reassessed it and you're kind of acknowledging it but did do, did you have to grieve it or do you feel good with your decision or what it's are the lingering feelings I the guess the lingering feelings is that I keep thinking I'm gonna come back to it at some point like I'm gonna crack the code I'm gonna crack the code yeah. and come back with like a oh and I'm gonna create the perfect like bomb of like oh, I did this wrong, so I stopped doing the project, but I'm back now, so if you want to submit your stuff, like, submit it this way, and, like, again, this unrealistic expectation that, like, I'm going to be able to put out the perfect piece of content that lets Mm. me come back to the project without feeling gross about it, I guess. Well, it sounds like you're, like, in the process right now of reframing it, because mm-hmm. it sounds like you still want to do something around it but you just need to yeah. reframe it in a way that aligns with your integrity mm-hmm. and what what makes you feel good about it yeah because the the thing is, is that you have a story to share too and you mm-hmm. are a person living in a larger body and you have yeah. experiences to share and that's valuable for people to hear and it's mm-hmm. valuable for people to heal and have greater understanding. So I guess my only like, I don't know, observation, concern or whatever is that you're minimizing yourself. Mm. Make sure you're not minimizing yourself because what you have to say matters too. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in a different way or you, you're, again, I think you're in the process right now of like reassessing it, mm-hmm. but find a way that feels good for you. And maybe it's, just this podcast and we talk about podcast, right? But find a way that feels good for you because what you have to say about it matters and your lived experience and your experience matters too. And it it can Mm -hmm. help people too, much in the same way that the people that you kind of look up to or follow that have been doing this kind of work forever, as you say, and are doing great work, you matter too. And your, your story matters too. Yeah. That's yeah. That's helpful. I think, uh, yeah, for me, I think it's also like to bring it back to a little bit of the ADHD. Like I started that project before I knew I had ADHD. So I think oh, interesting. it was one of my outlets, right? Like I even said it was a mm. creative outlet for me to kind of put this energy into. And I mean, it did help me. Like if someone on the street calls me fat, I'm like, I, it just rolls off my back now where like that could have happened five years ago and I would have been crumbled for a day or two. 
And mm-hmm. it's like, as opposed to being just, you know, again, sad for that person that they have no power or control in their life, that they yell things at strangers. And again, like how uncreative. Yeah. Like, that's to like call that's someone like, fat, like how like, uncreative. <laughs> like, honestly. especially when they are fat. Like, it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. Uh, <laughs> like, other than to just like be like wow you have eyes or you know like that's used to be what my mom used to say all the time wow your powers of observation are incredible like you should go into fortune telling um but that's all you know that would always be kind of like a hurt response too where now like i just i've moved past the i've moved past feeling insulted by someone who would call me fat and 13 year old me would have never thought that was possible so, I think that's it, so empowering, Shadow. That's what I mean by your story. Like for me, hearing you say that, I, I'm sure for mm-hmm. those listening, hearing you say that, like that's the part of your story that's amazing. That you mm-hmm. that you're saying, like you've found a way to move past that. Like that's incredible, and and mm-hmm. people need to hear that, right? And regardless if you're like a larger person or a smaller person, because mm-hmm. I need to hear that too. To so that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think like my regret is that I did see the power in that aspect. Um, But then I started seeing like lots of posts about the people who were in the, the, I think it's because a lot of the comments were about people in the body positive community and body positivity is not the same as fat liberation. Um, Because body positivity is putting it all on the individual's shoulders and fat liberation is about changing society. So can you, was, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean putting sure. it all on body positive? Can you just explain body positivity is putting it all on the individual shoulders? It's, like, yeah, with an it's example putting, or yeah, it's putting it's putting pressure on an individual to say, well, I love my body and I'm positive about it. So and that's that is useful. It's mm-hmm. useful, but yeah. it has been co-opted, right? Like it has become kind of a buzzword in the wellness community. There's a lot of thin white women using it as like a oh my god I can pinch this one little inch of fat on my body or they have to like Mm -hmm. bend over to create a stomach roll and they're like this is normal and it's like Mm, yeah that's so true that's so true But like who does that comfort right it comforts other thin women who have that one little role versus like being fat isn't just about oh I, I don't look good in a bikini like it's not about that it's about this whole other aspect of living um, that the world isn't built for larger yeah. people yeah you can totally tell me if i'm wrong no but, that's um, exactly it like like I chairs mean, I, and seats yeah i was and, just, it's so funny yeah. you bring up chairs i was just gonna say i was at women's college hospital here in toronto uh recently for something and uh there was a variety of chair sizes available and I oh, was floored. I was like, whoa, like this is so cool. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's not about replacing all of the chairs with chairs that would fit a 500 pound or more person. It's about having those options available because like, you don't want to be at the doctor's office at all in the first place, let alone being at the doctor's office and like squeezing into a chair that like the arms of the chair dig into mm-hmm. your hip bones and then you're, they're like, oh, go be comfortable in the waiting room. And I'm like, I'm going to stand. And they're like, oh, mm. take a seat. And it's like, your seats aren't made for me, but uh, that's okay. I'm just going to stand. Um, like, you know, you're not going to say that to the person. You're just going to kind of internalize it. And yeah, so like body positivity doesn't change the fact that most places don't have chairs that are made for okay. everyone. I or understand posi- now. Yeah. I didn't understand before what you yeah. were saying. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. So yeah, or like body positivity is saying like, I look, I, I, it doesn't matter how I look in a bikini, like I'm going to buy one. If at the same time, like you can still buy a bikini at a store, you're not living a super In a world where there isn't like, a bikini available in your size. Exactly. I'm feeling like a little bit of a correlation too. Maybe my brain mm-hmm. is just trying to understand it better sure. with aging. Right. Right. Like there's kind of this body positivity thing around aging. Like Mm -hmm. this is my gray hair and these are my wrinkles kind of thing. Yeah. As opposed to like, I'm going to need support for a dementia risk or a fall risk or all these other things that come with aging. But we're really focused on, well, I still look great even with my gray hair. Yeah. And I also think there's like a whole middle piece, which is what I strive to do with 
a lot of the programs I run, that's why I focus on women 40 and older, is like once you start aging, you're just considered to be 85. Like there actually isn't a lot of like programming or things in the world for people that are actually actively aging. It's either you're going to pretend to be that you're 30 Mm -hmm. and there's like examples of like women that are 70 that work out like they're 30, you know, and you see that they've put a lot of work into that. Let me tell you, Mm. or the alternative is you can go do a gentle fit class on a chair. Like there isn't this like space in there between the age of like 40 to 75, 80, because I think people are aging better, but we're not providing a world to let them age better. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to minimize what you're, I'm just trying to understand, right? Like, like in terms of like, here's programs for 60 year olds where they're actually, I'm going to use working out as an example because 60 year olds can still do incredible workouts it doesn't have to be gentle fit on a chair with a one pound weight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but a lot of those things don't exist or a lot of those things don't exist in the built world too so right and I guess maybe my brain goes there because I'm like 42 now and I'm like seeing it coming and I'm like how do I celebrate that so yeah did I just minimize you no, not at okay. all. No, okay. that's exactly. No, okay. I think that's a great correlation um, that would help people understand uh, the difference between the two things. Yeah. And like, again, it's not to say that body positivity is bad. It's just that it doesn't go deep enough. And I realized that my project wasn't going deep enough. And I was scared of how to go deeper without mucking it all up. So I just walked away from it because it had served. It's like its original purpose was to make me feel better about the word. And with that being the purpose, it served its purpose for me. And then that's also kind of where I start. It's not an imposter syndrome thing. It's more of like a, okay, well, I took what I got from it and now I'm moving on to a new project versus like the people who are in it are in it. This is their passion. This is what they feel they were put on the earth to do. And if those people exist, then those are the people who should be getting money for the workshops around this kind of activity. Because for me, it was a self-esteem builder and it's weird because like I like I already know that that's not enough uh but at the same time I don't think I'm interested in going beyond that if I'm being really honest about it and that's okay like it's okay to accept that yeah it's not like is the work is part of the regret not having closure with it like would it make you feel better Mm. to do a post saying this is still an active account. I hope you enjoy what you see, but I've walked away from it because of, because I feel this way now. I mean, that is one of the consequences I'm feeling over the regret is that like, I think I do want to close it down, but I, yeah, at this point, it's almost like it's been over two years. So I don't think I need to make an announcement to close it down. Well, the announcement maybe isn't for the followers. Maybe it's just for you. And then you're putting it out to the world by putting it up there. Right. But then that's just self-serving and that's not, that's not self-serving. That's self-healing. Yeah. If that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. That's not self-serving mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. That's not so I don't, I don't think that's self-serving at all. I think that's self-healing. Yeah. And showing your integrity and in who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, that's, and maybe I will do that. I probably won't do it immediately, but um, just, it's, just yeah, food yeah. for thought, right. Yeah. Or think about it. Yeah. Cause I'm getting that sense in you, but Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to say about it? Yeah, I guess the other thing that I kind of think about too is like, remember how I think we've talked about this before, I was published a few years ago uh, in an anthology. Yeah. Um, my essay in that anthology is about this Instagram. So it's like, oh, if I close it and like, let's say someone picks up the anthology tomorrow and then they read my story and they really like it and then they go to my account and then the account's closed. I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone feel weird, but I guess at this point, because there hasn't been any posts in two plus years, they're going to have that same. So does it make you better to leave it up and not delete the account? Again, going back to like, just having another post saying I've grown as a person since I written it, wrote that essay. And since I had this account and here's why, but please enjoy what's here. Yeah. Maybe that's a good way to do it. 
I'm going to, I'm going to draft it. I don't think I'm going to post it anytime soon, but I'm definitely going to draft it. <laughs> yeah. Because it, like, that's something again, like this is, uh, gosh, this is like pure, this is total regret, right? Like mm -hmm. we look back on things. I do it often too. It's like mm -hmm. we think that things we've done in the past or successes we've had in the past dictate who we are now too. And they don't right. have to accept mm -hmm. where you are at right now. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think to feel like that's like one of the seeds of regret just in general in mm -hmm. life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think when I was when I was in it too, I thought it was a lot more important than what I think of it now. And I think there's like almost an embarrassment there that I thought I was doing this really cool, awesome, wonderful thing. And really I was just scratching the surface of a body image issue and not yeah. you know, changing the world the way I thought I was. But that, that comes down to like the last line of our regrets always is right. right. Like that's who I was then. Yeah. And true. I've learned and I've grown and I know mm -hmm. more now. And if I had known then I would have done it differently, but I did. Yeah. Right. True. And you're not who you were then. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thank you. I think this is just relatable. Everything you always share, mm -hmm. I always say it's relatable, but relatable on like multiple, multiple levels mm. in terms of like how you're feeling and, and like you've educated us today too. Right. I didn't know that like concept between like body positivity and fat liberation. So thank mm -hmm. you for that as well. And thank you for being honest and vulnerable and talking about it. Thank you for listening. Yeah. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Are you ready for three breaths? Yes. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, come on to the front edge of your chair. Put your feet flat on the floor if it is safe for you to do so. And just feel your feet connect to the earth. Allow yourself to become more grounded in a little bit more of a centered space. Placing one hand on your heart. With a big inhale through the nose and a big exhale through the mouth, saying to yourself, may you be well. On this next breath, as you breathe out, may you be kind to yourself. And on this next big breath in, as you exhale, May you be safe and at ease. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you too out there listening and we hope you have a wonderful day. We will catch you in the next one. Okay. okay bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Let's Relieve Regret was produced by Shadow Ball and Victoria Mirbersia. We are an independent podcast supported by you, our listeners. You can become a supporter by donating three, five, or even $8 per month at www.letsrelieveregretpodcast.buzzsprout.com and click on the support button. You can find the link in the show notes. Our goal is to empower as many women as possible to overcome the shame and guilt that accompanies regret. If this podcast helped you have an aha moment, help us spread the word. It's free for you and it means the world to us. Please follow us on Instagram at relieve.regret. Tell two friends. Or leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Find all this information and more in the show notes. Okay. Bye. Bye.